Hey everyone, welcome to Christ Community Church Online. Thanks for joining us for service this weekend. I'm Sarah. And I'm Andrea, and we are so excited to be hosting today's service. Christ Community Church offers care groups formed around specific needs like divorce, grief, mental health, addiction, and those touched by cancer. These groups focus on coming together to provide encouragement and support. If you're looking to get plugged into any of these groups or want more information, please visit the care page on our website. Hey students! Hey what? We are launching into the fall with another outdoor worship service this Sunday, September 13th from 6 to 7 p.m. outside the warehouse. This will start off our year and prepare us to dive back into Impact Sunday nights and life groups. For specific information on what Impact will look like this fall, check out the students page on our website. Before we get into worship this week, we want to take some time to say a huge thank you to our worship team. A lot of time and effort goes into preparing and recording worship each week, plus doing it live on the weekends. Shout out to all those worship team members. Now here's the exclusive behind the scenes look at recording worship. Check it out. No, that's the humidity off the, that's the water, the condensation. I thought somebody was making coffee. That would be better. <laughs> Sorry. There's our delicate rose. Are we rolling? Oh, heck yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, As we get ready to worship, we invite you to take in this service and all that God has for you. Let's lift our voices and praises to the Lord. Where we 
The sun comes 
That's our desire here today in this place. No matter where life finds us, if we're in a room feeling very alone or with a group of people that we join together in voice, God, we know we're not alone. And we know that as a congregation that your promise and your path for us is what unites us as one voice, as one body. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that when we come together as a church, near and far, God, you are the unifier and the uniter. Thank you so much for that promise. In your name we pray, amen. Welcome back. And for those of you just now tuning in, I'm Sarah. And I'm Andrea. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. 
Heart of Christ Community's DNA is sending and supporting missions around the world to live out our mission of restoring our broken world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can join us in this and worship through your giving. We invite you to take this opportunity to click the give link on your screen. We are grateful for your generosity. If you're new to joining us, thank you for tuning into our online church experience today. We are so thrilled to welcome you to our church. We invite you to take this moment to fill out our online connection card. It is a great way for us to get to know you and get you connected here at CCC. Click the connect link on your screen or in the Facebook post, or you can click the live prayer button and one of our service hosts would be happy to get you connected that way too. We are continuing to pray for each of you, and we would love to join with you today in lifting your specific needs and praises. We can be confident that God hears us when we come before him. If you would like prayer at any time during the service, our hosts are available on our streaming service through the live prayer feature. There are also many opportunities to receive prayer throughout the week. You can check these out in the prayer section of our website. Thanks again for tuning in to Christ Community Church Online. Now here's the message from Daryl. Hey, Christ Community Online Church. I'm really glad that you're with us today. Um, thanks for being with us this weekend. We're continuing our series on prayer. And as I jump in, I wanna share some more um, little kid prayers with you. I think these are cute and funny. And so I hope you enjoy them. First little prayer, um, dear God, please help me in school. I need help in spelling, math, history, geography, and writing. I don't need help in anything else. Amen. <laughs> Uh, dear God, please send a new baby for mommy. The baby you sent last week cries too much. Some of us have experienced that in our houses. I'm um, dear God, could you please give my brother some brains? So far, he doesn't have any. <laughs> if you're shaking your head yes to that, like when they're 25, that's when it shows up for boys. Um, and dear God, I went to this wedding and they kissed right in church. Is that okay? <laughs> And again, I love, these, uh, I love these prayers from kids. I think they're cute. I think they're funny. And I firmly believe that God pays special attention when our kids pray. I also believe that God is really interested in hearing grownups pray. And I think bigger issue, like part of the issue for us as grownups may be why we don't lean into our prayer life the way we maybe are hoping we would is because, um, first of all, we like to do things ourselves. We're pretty self-sufficient people. And then secondly, because we have these questions that swirl around inside of us, does, does prayer do any good? 
You know, I'm like, we know that it makes us feel better sometimes, but does prayer really do any good? And that's, that's what I'd like to talk about with you today is, is prayer and does prayer do any good? And this can be a practical conversation. There are some really big questions about prayer and its effectiveness and how and why that belong in other disciplines. And I'm all for asking those questions. I think we should be asking those questions, particularly those of us who are wired that way maybe who struggle with whether or not prayer does any good from a philosophical and apologetic standpoint. But anytime we're asking those questions about prayer, um, I think those have to happen within the context of being people who actually pray if we're gonna find the answers that we're looking for. And so today I wanna have a really practical conversation with you about prayer. And to do that, we're going to read through four different passages of the scripture. A couple of them are a little bit lengthy. Um, We're gonna read through those and I'm gonna point out some things along the way. And my real hope for us today is that we would, we would continue taking next steps in prayer, that we would continue to talk with our Heavenly Father more and more about the things that are important to us and that we would get better and better at hearing Him and seeing Him at work in our lives. And I think that's really the goal of prayer is that more and more we would, we would be talking with Him, hearing from Him and seeing Him at work. So let me, give you, let me give you four things that happen because, because people pray. And these are things that have happened and these are things that can do and will happen for you if you'll be a person who takes next steps in prayer. So the first thing that happens when people pray is interruption of the status quo. It just, the status quo gets interrupted because God's people pray. I wanna to read to you some verses from Psalm 18. Starting in verse six, the psalmist writes this. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. And this cry of the psalmist coming into God's ears, God's response. The earth trembled and quaked and the foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew, and he soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced, hailstones, bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy with great bolts of lightning. He routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed and the foundations of the earth laid bare at your rebuke, Lord, at the blast of the breath from your nostrils. Then hear how personal this gets. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. I just, I love that poetic description of what God does in response to the prayers of his people. When we cry out to him for help, there's this this moving, this moving of heaven and earth for God to come from heaven, to come to the aid, to come to the rescue of his people who cry out to him. And you know, reading through all of this, 
it sounds like it's just a description of this storm that's going on and God moves through and speaks into all of that. And I was, I was looking at this and I was thinking about this. And, and sometimes when you and I cry out to the Lord, maybe we don't always see like a disruption of the status quo or an interruption of the status quo in, in the world that we can see. But always when you and I cry out to the Lord, there is an interruption of the status quo in the spiritual realm. There's this world around us that we can't see and it's, it's every bit as real as the world we can see. And when you and I cry out to the Lord, when people pray, the, the status quo of, of what's going on in the spiritual arena around us is disrupted. And so I would encourage you, if you're a person who's in distress or the next time you're in distress, I mean, just remember this, in my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. And if you're thinking about that, maybe you just remember back to what we talked about a few weeks ago when we talked about how we, like the talking points that Jesus gave us. When you cry to the Lord for help, you honor him. You ask him to intervene. You ask him for provision. You ask him for guidance. Like you, you lean into those talking points that Jesus gave us. You cry to the Lord for help. And as you spend time doing that, just like feel it with your spiritual senses, whether or not things like the status quo of the spiritual world, if it doesn't happen in your immediate, like the world you can see, the status quo of the spiritual world is going to be interrupted because when God's people cry out to him, God comes to their aid, he comes to their defense. One of the things I just wrote down here in my notes for us today is when, when we pray, even if you can't see like if you can't see a difference in the physical world, there's still the, like there's just a spiritual spiritual ruckus that gets created. That God comes from heaven to earth, angelic beings, uh, just darkness fleeing and reaching in. And listen to these words again: He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because He delighted in me. That verse is particularly meaningful to me. A number of years ago, I was in what felt like just a really tight, confined place. And I was talking with one of my friends about some things that were happening in my life. And um, he, he asked if he could pray for me, and he did. He prayed for me. And what he prayed over me was this verse. He prayed that God would, would bring me into a spacious place. And there was just something in my spirit that said yes to that and something in the Lord. I, just one of those moments, I can't fully explain what happened. But there was a disruption of the status quo, and it didn't happen in the in the world that I could see immediately, but I believe a lot of things that I enjoy today are still God's yes to, it started in the spiritual realm and it is playing out in the physical realm, God's yes to this prayer and to bringing me into a spacious place. So when, when God's people pray, the first thing that happens is that there is a disruption to our status quo. There's a second thing that happens for us and with us uh, when we pray. We get to participate in the miraculous. The miraculous belongs to God. It doesn't belong to us as human beings. It belongs to God. And when we pray to him, we get to participate in his realm, in his world. We get a front seat to things that God does that are beyond explanation. There's a, there's a story that I ran across when I was actually putting this series together. Um, it's in Isaiah chapter 37. But the story is recorded for us in three different places in the history books of the Old Testament. Uh, the first, it's Isaiah 37. It's also in 2 Kings chapter 19 and 2 Chronicles chapter 32. 
And in the Bible, when something gets repeated, it's something that you ought to pay attention to. And so this story is repeated for us in three different books of history in the Old Testament. And what's going on here is there's a king of the nation of Judah. His name is Hezekiah. He was actually a good king. He was a king who followed the Lord. And at that time, uh, Assyria was the world power. This is about 700 years before Jesus. The king of Assyria's name was Sennacherib, and he had this huge, powerful army, and they were in control of just like this huge chunk of what was then the known world. And there were some kings and smaller kingdoms in the area of Palestine who decided to rebel against Sennacherib. They had, he had conquered them at one point, and they were kind of paying tribute to him. They were vassal states, we might say. And so they decided that they were done with Sennacherib, and one of those was Hezekiah and the people of the nation of Judah. And so when Sennacherib, like when he heard about this rebellion, they quit paying tribute and they were trying to become their own people. What he did was he, he brought his army down into Palestine and they came, they, they came to fight. They came to conquer. They came to oppress. They came to subject. Like they came with full intention of putting their thumb back on the people of this region and particularly God's people of the nation of Judah and Sennacherib before he, like when he got to Jerusalem and to King Hezekiah, what he did was he sent some of his messengers. They had a letter from King Sennacherib and the letter itself basically said, hey, King Hezekiah and all you people in Jerusalem, you got two choices. You either surrender or you die. And if you surrender, what they knew at that time is if you surrendered to Sennacherib, what that meant for you was you became a prisoner of war. You got pulled in all the horror that that entails and you got pulled out of where you live and you got transported and deported to someplace else. And who knew what your fate was after you became a prisoner of war to Sennacherib. So you were either a prisoner of war or you died and the death that he had planned for them was a long, slow one. They'd already begun to build siege walls around the city. They'd conquered 46 other little cities in that area this army had, and they'd begun to build their siege around Jerusalem, and the goal was just to choke it out, to cut off all the food supplies, to cut off the water supplies, to deny them access for the, the grazing grounds for their flocks, to deny them access to the fields where they would grow their crops. They just, like, they just locked the people in the city and Sennacherib in some ancient writings, he describes it like he had them like a bird in a cage. And, and so this is the situation that Hezekiah found himself in as king. He's receiving these threats and he's receiving this letter and he can see the siege works being built. And in Isaiah chapter 37, starting in verse 14, Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers of Sennacherib and he read it. And then he went up to the temple of the Lord and he spread it out before the Lord and Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to all the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. Because in this letter, he'd said, listen, don't depend. You can't depend on the Lord. None of the other gods of any of these other places have been able to stand up to me. I've crushed them all. Your God is no different. You either surrender or you die. So Lord, see this ridicule that he has made of you. Verse 18, it's true, Lord, 
that the Assyrian kings have laid waste all these peoples in their lands. They've thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, Lord, are the only God. It's just this beautiful moment where he's got this, he's got this threat from this king who he is powerless to defend against. And, he, and it's not just for him, it's for the people that he leads, for his family, for his nation. And there's this, the, like the threat is there and it's real and he goes and he spreads that letter out before the Lord. And then here's what happens in response to that verse 21. Then Isaiah, who's the prophet, who's writing this letter, Isaiah, son of Amos, sent a message to Hezekiah because the prophet spoke for the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Because you have prayed to me concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria, this is the word the Lord has spoken against him. And in Isaiah chapter 37, it goes on for about a page and a half of God speaking to and against Sennacherib and his armies for their arrogance and for how they have taken more than God intended to give them. And then this is how this whole thing resolves itself down in verse 36. After the prayer and the answer to prayer, then the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew, and he returned to Nineveh, which was his headquarters, and stayed there. And it's just this amazing story of rescue and of deliverance. I was reading one historian wrote about this ill-timed plague that came to the armies of the Assyrians. And from the outside, it looked like something had happened to them, maybe that had some sort of natural explanation. But what happened has a supernatural explanation, and that is that the Lord fought for his people. And that there's this incredible moment, just this miraculous deliverance where an army, where a people who had no chance and who had no hope came and stood before the Lord and asked him to step in. And he, he worked a miracle on their behalf. And again, I just love this. It's a, to me, it's a very practical picture that something that you and I can do, uh, whatever it is that you're facing, whatever it is that is like, that it feels like it's overwhelming, whatever it feels like you don't have a chance against it to just to mentally, spiritually, to just lay that out before the Lord. Like Hezekiah came to the temple with this letter from Sennacherib and just, he just placed it before the Lord. And I can just see him in prayer saying, Lord, you need to look, you need to see, you need to hear this, hear what's being said about me and about you and about your people. And he just laid that out before the Lord. And, and the Lord said, here I come. You know, those things that we read about in Psalm 18, just a minute ago, the Lord, he heard their cry. And he moved heaven and earth and came and came to rescue his people and set them free. And so people who pray, they get to, they get to participate in, in that which is miraculous. That's the second thing. Here's the third thing that happens for people who pray. They have an increased faith. They have an increased faith. Prayer is one of the ways that God gifts us faith. We talked about that together Last week, we talked about how we don't muscle up our own faith. We don't build our own faith. Faith is a, it's a gift that God gives to us. It's something that we exercise. But like prayer is one of the ways that God increases our faith. 
One of my favorite passages of scripture that teaches this or shows this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The apostle Paul, is he's just relating a personal experience from his own life. And he, he, talks, about, he talks about having seen and experienced some things that might cause some spiritual arrogance. I mean, he said that in order to keep him humble, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. He calls it a messenger of Satan to torment me. In verse 8, three times, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul's comment about this whole little exchange, he says, therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties for when I am weak, then I'm strong. The Bible's full of, of prayers that are answered with a yes. And those, those prayers that get answered with yes, for sure, build our faith. They give us things to look back on and say, hey, here's where God stepped in. Here's where God did what I asked. I'm encouraged by that to, to cry out to him because he rescues me. But I am really intrigued by what's happening here because this is where a no from God actually results in stronger faith. And these, these stories are more rare. When God says no to what we're asking for him, for that to be a faith builder. And I think what's happening here is if, if God had just said yes to Paul and gave him exactly what he'd been asking for. This would have been another yes in a series of answered prayers that God had given to him. He would have received a miraculous healing. And that, that kind of experience always builds faith. But instead, he got a no. And really, it wasn't, it wasn't like it was just a straight no. It was no to what you're asking for, but let me say yes and give you something else. And instead of giving him a miraculous healing, what God did was gave him grace to deal with his difficulties every day. And so instead of like a one-time yes to a miraculous healing, he was waking up to some of those new mercies that the Lord gives us each and every day. And, and that produced in him that daily provision of grace and strength that produced an increase in faith. And, and all of that was fruit of prayer. Three times he pleaded with the Lord and asked him to take this Take this messenger of Satan away from me. Take this difficulty, this evil thing away from me. Take it away from me. And God said, no, I'm not gonna do that for you. Instead, I'm gonna give you what you need to walk through life and do what I've called you to do, bearing this burden that you have. And it resulted, at the end of all that, it resulted in a child of God. The apostle Paul, we hold him in this high regard and we should, but at the end of the day, he's a child of God, like you're a child of God, like I'm a child of God. And you have a child of God writing that I didn't get what I asked for. And still, I trust the Lord. He's with me. He's for me. And I'm thankful that he didn't give me what I asked for because what he said yes to was even better than what I was asking him for. And so, so there's this increased faith that happens for us as we exercise our faith in prayer and as we go to the Lord. And listen carefully, even in the yeses and in the nos, he's, always, he's growing, encouraging, and giving us faith. And then here's the fourth thing for people who pray. I mean, it's intimacy with the Lord. It's intimacy with the Lord. And I love this quote by Paul Miller. And this is true in any relationship, really. It's true in a marriage. It's true with our kids. It's true 
It's true in any relationship, but it's especially true with God. Um, you don't create intimacy. You make room for it. You don't get to create intimacy, but you do make room for it. And prayer is, prayer is the work of making room for intimacy with God. I mean, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And what he's describing there is the intimacy of, of relationship over a table, food, sharing. It's, it's a heart-to-heart connection. This, these words that Jesus is saying here, he spoke them to a church. It was a group of Christian people that could probably best be described as self-sufficient. Uh, their spiritual answers were like, hey, we've, like, we've got it. We don't really have anything. We don't really need anything. And that was their view of themselves. Of like, hey, I got this covered. That wasn't the true view of them. What Jesus was saying to them is, hey, like I'm close by, but I'm outside the door. And, and their response is like, Jesus, we've got this. We've got this covered. And, and what they didn't realize was that they were lacking in intimacy. They, they knew Jesus. You know, every door has a peephole. And so they could just kind of look out that peephole and they could see Jesus out there. And like they saw him, they know what he looks like. And, and then they would go on about their life because they really didn't feel like they had any spiritual need. And I think that's easy for us as, as Christian people, especially people who've been you know, trafficking in church and the Bible and Christian things for an extended period of our lives. It's really easy for us to, to lose intimacy with Jesus for him. Like he's close and we know what he looks like and we can see him and we're sure he's right out there. But, that, but like him standing at the front door knocking is a way different kind of relationship than when he is inside the door of your heart and inside your life and he is at your table with you and you are communing with him. And it's prayer. Prayer is the work that opens the door that allows Jesus into the table of your life where you and he can enjoy intimacy together. And if you're watching this today and you're, you're thinking about your spiritual life and you feel like there's something that's just been, there's just something missing. There's something less than maybe what it's been before or what's being described or what you see other people experiencing. Maybe your spiritual life, there's a little bit of less than there. If you're, if you're feeling that less than, one of the things that I would encourage you about is it, it might just be, it might be prayer. Because prayer is what opens the door to Jesus to come and to sit at the table of your heart and it creates that intimacy with, with your Lord that all of us were created for. And when we don't have it, we know it's missing. And when we do have it, like we have this, this fullness that just overflows out of our lives into the lives of the people who are around us. So I'm really hopeful today that you are encouraged to be and to keep becoming a person of prayer. When you pray, when you pray, God works. He works on your behalf. He works for your good. And he works his way closer and closer to you as you move closer and closer to him and all these good things. They come about because you prayed. So I'd like to pray for you, to pray for us, the others at church. Would you please bow your head and close your eyes with me? And then after I pray, we'll, we'll look at our discussion questions for today. Heavenly Father, ask for myself and for my friends. Uh, Lord, teach us to pray. It's that 
thing we started with a few weeks ago. Teach us to pray. And please give us eyes to see where you're working. Um, give us ears to hear your voice. Would you please call us to prayer? And give us hearts to understand so that we can turn to you and receive what you're giving to us. And Jesus, all this comes to us through you and because of you. So we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so let me give you some questions just to think about and to discuss with the people that you're with. Hope these continue to be helpful for you. We do these together, the in-person church and the online church. We're all talking about these things at different points during our week. And so it's one of the ways we stay together, be unified as a church. So here's my first question for you. We've been reading these little prayers of kids. Um, was prayer part of your life when you were a little kid? You know, what are your early memories connected to prayer? And maybe you don't have any early memories like childhood, but just when you think back in your life, what are some of the first things you learned um, about prayer? What are your early memories there? Second, can you think of a time when something happened and you are convinced it's because you or somebody else prayed? I've had those experiences where I knew that something happened. I couldn't always see it happen. And I told you about one of my favorite ones. In the, in the, couldn't see it in the real world, but I could see it in the unseen world. And so are, is there a time, do you have something like that when, you, when something happened and you're convinced it's because of prayer? The third, what do you think about your prayers making a difference in the unseen or spiritual world, even if you can't tell a difference in the world you can see? It, you buy this idea of there being an unseen world of your prayers making a difference in it. What do you think about that? And then the last question for this week, which of these things that happen because we pray do you want to explore further or want most to experience? Which one of these resonated the most with you and why did it do that? I hope these are helpful questions for you. Thanks for being with us today, Christ community. And may God bless you guys. Have a great weekend and we will see you next week. Thanks for joining us today. If you know of any needs in our church or in our community, please reach out as we want to help. You can either contact the church office or go to the service opportunity tool on our website. We'll work with you to figure out how CCC can help. Thank you for choosing Christ Community Online for your church experience today. We'll see you next time.